So it's it's so much easier to stop making assumptions when we just talk at the talent level. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, everyone wants to be happy. Everyone wants to be successful in the different definitions that we have of that. And in a relationship, you know, everyone wants to be happy and content in their relationships. This is the Executive Book Review Podcast. Welcome to Episode 2. Now Discover Your Strengths by Donald O. Clifton and Marcus Buckingham with your hosts, Mark Wittig, Rob Wykall, Marisa Ortiz, and Malcolm Kuhn. Brought to you by My Education Solutions. Rob, can you let everyone know what the Executive Book Review is all about? The Executive Book Review is in San Antonio, Texas, and it's an opportunity for those of us with busy lifestyles to get an introduction and a piece of executive books without having to take the time to read them. There's Houston, Corpus, and San Antonio, so a multitude of books that you can go to executivebookreview.com to experience these book reviews, or the Cliff's Notes for executive books. Did you know 33 million people qualify for student loan forgiveness, but only a handful are aware it exists? My Education Solutions, located in San Antonio, Texas, is the leading national expert in student loan forgiveness. As a consumer advocacy organization, we provide financial wellness education, resources, and a free calculator that shows you how much forgiveness you are legally entitled to up front. It's our job to help people make more informed decisions to reduce their student loan debt in the fastest and least expensive way possible. We have saved our clients more than $150 million and cut their repayment periods in half. Visit our website at MyEDUSolutions.com or give us a call at 800-618-1170. My Education Solutions, your student loan forgiveness experts. I am Marisa Ortiz with the Global Learning and Development. I'm Rob Wykall. Mark Wittig. Malcolm Kidd. This is after this book was written after Strengths Finder. No. no, this, this is, is the original. Prequel. This is the original. Oh. So oh, this oh. is a 2001 original Strengths book. Um, oh, okay. So that's why, and you know, you know, the the handout kind of reflects the nature of the book. It, you know, it talks a lot about the research that they did to come up with the 34 mm-hmm. themes of talent. But then Strengths Finder 2.0 came out later, a few years later, precisely to provide just a reader's digest of the strengths and how to use them and take Mm. the assessment. It dives deep into the research and examples. And and this one uh, is a little outdated. Like after so many years of research, Gallup has uh, refined their recommendations to organizations. So that would be me. That's why I picked it, because it's the original strengths book. But there are like eight or nine strength books, different strength books like that. Do you call it a, you don't call it a personality assessment? Would that be? We call it, I'm glad you asked. We call it a talent development assessment. Okay. It measures your level of talent in 34 themes. Mm -hmm. So uh, it has to do with your personality, yes, but it's more about your talents. What you're good at. Yeah. Would you say it's? Innate talent, not a talent you exercised. So it's a combination. It's a combination of um, innate 
genes and upbringing, nature and nurture, and the knowledge that you have acquired over time uh, and your skill set. So that, that's why there's a difference between a talent and a strength. When a person takes the assessment at the very first time, they discover their top five themes of talent. If they intentionally apply themselves to use them, then those talents become strengths because you put knowledge and skill and you add in mm -hmm. and you intentionally right. use them, right? And to get back to what we were saying earlier, that that's formed basically by the time you're 16? Correct. 14 to 16. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so now can that be yes. changed? Mm -mm, not really. No, see, because I'm, I'm researching the brain, right? Yes. The book. So, yes. Oh. And one of the things I'm fascinated about is the is the brain's ability to reconnect, mm -hmm. right? When somebody mm -hmm. get, ha, has an accident or they're learning a language yes. or something like that and they reconnect. I'm just remembering, this is a little anti, antidotal, dotal, antidotal, antidotal, yeah. right? So, but yeah. when when I had a bunch of employees, right? Yeah. We did a, as part of the, the interview process, they took an evaluation, yes. right? And it wasn't, it wasn't one of the popular ones, it was just one that came with the mm -hmm. HR people we were working with. Mm -hmm. And it was, you were A, B, C, or D. Yes. And uh, so it was very simple. But to start, we all took it, everybody in the company. Mm -hmm. And this one programmer, he was a D personality type. But he saw the D and related it to... The job. The job. Oh, or, yes. or a grade, right? He decided he was going to retake it and, and get a different score. Yes. Which he did. Because he knew, I mean, he just answered the questions differently. And he okay. got the score that he wanted, which was an A, right? Had mm -hmm. nothing to do with his personality. Yes. But I guess what I'm saying is, is it possible to do that with this assessment? Mm -hmm. Can I change my answers? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, let's say, you know, in the, in the middle of my life, I'm having a midlife crisis or whatever. I decide to develop other skills. I have more knowledge. If yes. I retake the test yes. later down the road when I'm 30 or 50 or mm -hmm. 70, mm -hmm. am I going to have, is it going to give me the same answer? Mm -hmm. Yes. So there were a couple of questions. The first one is, um, do strengths um, change over time? And in your research, you're learning how we can make different connections. So the, the short answer is no. Your dominant talents remain your dominant talents. Mm. Uh, they shuffle in intensity, though. So your top five, your top ten are always shuffling in order, right? So it may seem that you, you know, maybe you took the assessment ten years ago and decided to take it again. Uh, and your strengths may seem different, it's because if you didn't have access to your full report the first time, you don't really know if your new strengths were in your top 10 anyways, mm -hmm. right? Maybe your number six and number seven emerged mm -hmm. in your top five and whatnot. So that's usually what happens because people do take, and it is an assessment, it's not a test, because mm -hmm. no one can fail it. So people do take it many times for different reasons, and that's what they see. Obviously, people are smart, and they can influence the, rea the results by paying attention to the question. Hence, we'd recommend taking, taking it only once and work with your original results. Mm -hmm. If you feel that it's been too long and you're a different person, then you know have Gallup give you the full sequence report so that you can look at your 34 themes of talent in the right sequence. Mm -hmm. And, and you, you'll find out, oh yeah, you know, 10 years ago, my number seven, my number eight, 
I was right. tapping into them a lot more, and right. because of this and that happened. And then they and just moved exactly, out. but there's yeah. re- precisely <clears throat> because of what you explained earlier mm-hmm. of taking the assessment more than once. We don't mm-hmm. want people to take it more than once, mm-hmm. and we are very careful to share with everyone that this is not a selection tool, so it should never be used during an interview process, precisely because it's natural behavior from candidates who want the job to answer according to what they think you want to hear to give them the job. Right. Right, so we don't want that. Which I'm sure some people... Back have that done. old company were doing that because oh, they knew they yes. knew the answers that exactly you know, or so they could guess the answers. they could guess and the right. problem with that is that um, then you're 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 not working with authentic results right right, right. and then people get the reports and they don't relate to them mm-hmm. and I go well you took the assessment you right. know <laughs> you're not connected to your results you know for a reason right, right. so the, I guess the point here is there are no strengths or talent themes. That are perfect for any job mm-hmm. you know so I think that's the biggest misconception about strengths is that you need to have woo and achiever and this and that to be good at this role and that is incorrect um, different people with very different strengths can be successful in the same role they're just going to approach it differently and so that's a key about knowing your top five strengths I know your approach to life that's what I know I may not necessarily guess what you do for a living. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then why do you do, do this? So you do this so that you can put a language around your recurring patterns of thought, feeling, and behavior. So it's for yourself internally. It's for not so someone else knows how to interact well, with it's you. always it always starts with the self, right? So it starts with self-awareness. So once you take the assessment, you know your top five themes of talent, your top five dominant themes of talent gives awareness to why you do what you do, what are your recurring uh, patterns of thought, feeling, and behavior. And once you become comfortable with that and start catching yourself, oh, this was my command, oh, this was my competition, oh, this was my achiever, then you can start applying it intentionally and say, for this particular task, I'm going to use my achiever with my master list, you know, and I'm going to use my connectedness and think about who else can I bring to the mix so the more you intentionally apply your strengths, the better version of yourself you become. So in this, you know, positive psychology world, we don't believe in the notion of being a well-rounded professional. We disagree with that. We believe in becoming the best version of yourself. And that's never going to be well-rounded according to the research. And there's a quote in the handout that when Gallup researched excellent performers, they were rarely well-rounded. Actually, they were not well-rounded. Mm-hmm. They were great at what they did well. And they sucked you know, mm-hmm. at the areas where they right. just... We don't even call it weakness. We call it lesser talent. Because if it's not an obstacle to your performance, why is it a weakness? It's not a weakness. It's that whole thing of, uh, you know, when I was in the corporate world, it's, hey, you're not really good at spreadsheets. Let's send you to a course to work on that. But why? never going to be that great. Why don't we put somebody in that position that does spreadsheets and really likes it? Right. I hate it. Exactly. Because we do live, unfortunately, in a deficit-based world, not just corporate. I mean, the school systems, you know, all kids are um, graded and we pay most of the attention on the lower grades. We should be paying attention on the higher grades and send the kids to whatever they're, you know, making A's and A pluses so that they can blossom 
and become, you know, the best version of themselves since young. We just have this idea of well-roundedness really ingrained in our society. You know, and we call those weaknesses, we call them gaps. Uh, but the reality is, according to the research, it is only a distraction. You know, because you're, you know, I'm like you. I'm not a, a person who thrives on spreadsheets. Um, and I took a lot of Excel classes, and I didn't enjoy it, and I didn't thrive in them. So it, it's, it's a negative cycle, right? I don't feel good here because I'm not good at this. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I already took this class, and I don't remember how to do this. So this, you know, vicious cycle, it's never ending. But if I focus on the things that I do well, and work with others. Like if I do need, you know, pivot tables, then I, I'm going to give that task to someone who maybe has analytical or other themes of talent in the executing realm that are more compatible with that type of work. And people love that. So, so I know companies, and in my company's one, where everybody, we give everybody the book and mm-hmm. we, we have them do their profile. Mm-hmm. But I think a, a lot of companies stop there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and tell us why that's a big mistake. How do, how do we take that and make it life-giving? Sure. So it's about precisely what you said. You, you give it life as a leader and you decide to have strengths interventions on a regular basis. And, and you, you make your organization a strengths-based organization. So uh, it's about adopting strengths as a tool um, in all of the ages of, of the, your talent management life cycle. You know, so from how you attract talent, how you hire, how you onboard them. I thought you said this wasn't a good hiring It is not. It is not a selection tool. You can still interview in a strengths-based approach. You can ask candidates if they have taken the assessment and have them share their original results with you. And use that as as the anchor of 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 the interview. Talk about yourself. Tell me about your strengths and how they manifest in and if I give you this job, how do you think your strengths will manifest in this job, right? Um, if the person has never taken the assessment, then that's fine. Still, you want to mine for what what makes you good at what you do, right? Focus on what they do well. That's the whole point. Then you onboard them and you bring them uh, as part of the team and your managers know strengths and know how to work with strengths and invest time and effort in training them. Uh, so that they can coach their employees through their strengths. You can have performance evaluations based on strengths. So let's measure everything you did well in the last six months and how your strengths influence that, all those successes, and how can we help you replicate and expand on those successes for the next six months. So if a manager has an employee that's not hitting it out of the park, how, yes. how could they apply strengths? So. Ideally, a strengths-based manager is having weekly or every other week visits with employees, right? So this is not a surprise for anyone if there are issues. Then this is the manager's role to identify what's the issue. Why are the talent themes of this person either manifesting from the basement? We say that, right? That any strengths can manifest from the balcony or the basement. Or what happened in the organization recently? Because at some point, that employee was doing well, right? Uh, so th- something happened, right? So it's about a manager working with this person and this person's strengths to assess, you know, what, what, what can we done, what can be done to change the situation. Ideally, uh, because we live in a knowledge work economy, we can make adjustments to the environment, 
so that this person thrives again. Many times they could be small things, you know, like people not thriving and being in an office or, you know, for so long or people need to talk to other people regularly or the contrary. Some people need the time and the space to focus mm -hmm. and they, they cannot be in an open concept environment. I mean, they can, but they don't thrive as well, right? Things like that. It could be environmental. It could be the role uh, might have transitioned, changed. Um, it could be the, it could be the, the relationship with the manager, right? And and the manager needs to have that self awareness as well. How am I managing this person with my strengths? How are our strengths working together? And being honest about you know the power disparity in that relationship, you know, I think that's key. I don't know if if I was able to answer. Yeah, we've talked a lot about how it's used in a. A professional relationship but what about like in a personal relationship like husband wife yes. or with your life partner absolutely it, 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 it works wonders so it's it's not just for work it started the strength revolution started at work but now it you know it's in all aspects of life we have there are books on teaching with your strengths strengths based parenting I even know someone who does um, strengths for couples uh, it's truly very simple it's about having a conversation with your significant other about each other's strengths and that's what strengths provides. It's a language, a frame um, to work with. So instead of, you know, you, Mr. Husband, getting offended because I'm always changing the plans, it's my adaptability, mm -hmm. right, fellow husband? Mm -hmm. You know, my adaptability may not manifest well for you. You may misinterpret it because you have strategic and you always have an A, you know, plan A, B, and C. And because of my adaptability, I may deviate from that. And you may misinterpret it as, hey, you're breaking my plan. No, I'm just living in the moment. I happen to have adaptability. So it's great because it removes the persons from mm -hmm. the conversation. And it's talking about talent. So it's, it's so much easier to stop making assumptions when we just talk at the talent level. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, everyone wants to be happy. Everyone wants to be successful in the different definitions that we have of that. And in a relationship... You know, everyone wants to be happy and content in their relationship. So it's about sharing, you know, how your strengths are manifesting in this situation. Or, you know, you feel this way, tell me more. Mm -hmm. And this, this is how my strengths are interpreting what you're telling me. Uh, so it works wonders. Uh, it brings a lot of awareness to why we do what we do and how majority of times we are just making assumptions about each other and having emotions about it. Mm -hmm. So, last question. If an individual really learns their strengths and mm -hmm. leans into them and, and mm -hmm. develops them, mm -hmm. what do the surveys show about the impact of quality of life? Well, it's huge. And, and because uh, numbers don't play to my strengths, <laughs> I'm not very good at remembering all the percentages and all the increases. Uh, but absolutely, it's even one of the statistics that Gallup works on on a regular basis. It improves the quality of life uh, tremendously. Uh, people uh, report having a great uh, quality of life, being happy um, with their lives, being happy at work. There's a whole engagement survey and engagement work done in relation to strengths that Gallup manages um, on measuring that and showing how that increases the more strengths interventions you have and not just the number of interventions but using the tool correctly and I think that's another 
tricky part of strengths is that it's so available to everyone, anyone can buy the book. That doesn't necessarily mean that people know how to use a tool and people take the time to learn the talents, the themes carefully. Um, so that's that's a challenge, you know, that we can assume we know how to use a tool by reading the book. Um, but the, the research is there. Um, I mean, it even, a strength even improves um, workplace safety. People are so self-aware when they use their strengths that uh, workplace um, safety issues decrease by like 60%, something like that. And obviously sales profit uh, increases in great numbers because people are, are loving what they do. As simple as that, right? And they look forward to go to work and they look forward to hang out with their peeps for eight, nine hours a day doing what they what they love, you know, and they're good at it, so they love doing it, right? So this virtuous cycle happens, and that's what we want. You know, we want people to be happy um, wherever they go, and everything, you know, falls into place when we do that. I don't know about you, but I'm getting the impression that she recommends this book. <laughs> I'm a little biased. <laughs> and what, along those lines, what would you say to somebody who was thinking about reading the book or, yes. or you know, thinking about taking the assessment? What would be your advice to them? My advice would be to take the assessment over a glass of wine, mm-hmm. to take the time. It takes 30 to 40 minutes and know that the questions will be timed because we don't want you to overthink those answers and just go with the flow and know that you're not going to fail it. Uh, nothing obscure is going to be revealed of your personality. <laughs> exactly. It's just an assessment. And, uh, and I think it's, yeah, go ahead and take it and then read the book. That way your answers are as authentic as possible. Oh, yeah. Then you're reading the book with a, yes. with an eye towards what you already know as your strength. Exactly. Okay. Yes. And give yeah. another copy of the book to your best friend right. forever. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's great. The Executive Book Review Podcast is a production of the Executive Book Review. For more information, visit executivebookreview.com. The podcast was recorded at the My Education Solutions Studio, and our theme music is by Kevin McLeod and used under the Creative Commons license. without connectedness sees the connection sees the relationships correct so you have that awareness and it manifests them in different things right for you it's very much about connecting people so what if you're a coyote (laughs) what do you do then you connect um, then you're very connected to the earth yes that's true that is true you're a fellow hippie that's right (laughs) (laughs) I just have two coyotes living in my neighborhood.